you need to change some of the categories in this podcast because you're you're trying to slip a lot of things under the fence here. Essentially, this podcast has become a review of the Fozcast. <laughs> Mixed in with a with a bit of fashion talk and then a bit of fucking agony and hell for your fantasy football team. <laughs> Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal. Which he accepted with one proviso. <laughs> Good evening. Anyone who has even the slightest idea about how the real world works knows by now that the social media clips of how the players and how the managers walk out to training can directly affect your week, (laughs) affect your season, and you know what? It can affect your career trajectory. (laughs) Unai Emery has arrived, Liam. (laughs) A day later than planned, it must be said. I mean, we were told Tuesday, November 1st, and we waited. And we got nothing. I thought, is this is this cutting late for his first day at work? <laughs> Deep into the afternoon, we got a fucking like like crumbs we were we were throwing off the table. We got a helicopter picture of the training ground saying Emery's in the building. Basically, you know, don't worry, it's it's all in order. And me, like the <laughs> sad, pathetic loser I am, I started to zoom into every corner of that picture. <laughs> There, there's a Twitter account called There Is No Cat in This Photo. It was, I was just thinking there's no Emery. There's no Emery in this photo. There definitely is somewhere. Like, you know, I was looking to see if I could see see a man that the club have just told me can't start work until Wednesday. Like, what was I expecting <laughs> to see him do? But by God, by God, he started work on Wednesday. And, you know, <laughs> talk about these social media clips. The mobile phone footage caught him, just about caught him. You know, blink and you'll miss it. Bouncing out to training. Bounce him with purpose, with energy, bounce him with a plan, as if they say, don't even worry that we missed training yesterday. You won't believe what I've cooked up for Man United this weekend. Like he was <laughs> he, he was bouncing out to training in a tracksuit. A sporty, a sporty raincoat type of thing. And I know I've said before that Unai Emery pulls off a suit and he can carry it more believably than the like of your Steven Gerrards. But but petition for you and I to keep the sporty gear, please. I mean, it looks like he means business when he's in it. I started looking back at old Villarreal pictures. A lot of times managers wear this stuff, like this sort of more casual gear, polo shirt, to tracks at bottoms when, when it's pre-season. And they often look better. And I tell you what, Unai Emery looks like he means business. He definitely looked like it on Wednesday uh, on Villa social media. And he looks like he means business more than he could in a business suit like that's the ironic thing about it all he could still definitely pull off the suit but i think i like this aura that he creates when he has this casual sleeve rolled up let's get the fucking work type of vibe was he was he really wearing tracksuit mate what, what color was it was it was there any was there any patterns what was the what was the material was it <laughs> was it slim fit was it did, oh, no. did, did he have the body shape for that like how, how is his how is his mid carriage at 50 because you know a man that's been taking home his salary for at least five or six years, could afford a tailor. And I think a well-fitted suit would probably the best way to hide anything that needs to be hidden. But seriously, what colour was it, Paul? Are you are you trying to call my bluff now? After, 
after all this time. Like I wasn't ready for follow-up questions here. I was ready for you to combust. Um, yeah, of course you weren't ready for follow-up questions. You were shouting on for about three minutes about what he was fucking wearing. <laughs> yeah. but, but like you've touched on something really important there. Why aren't these... I haven't. <laughs> why, aren't, why aren't these suits tailored? Why, why are they baggy? What's going on there? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's why he was late. Maybe he was off seeing the tater. But you know, seeing as seeing as Gerard never turned up, I'll accept Emery arriving a day later than expected. And <laughs> maybe this was maybe maybe his lateness was just a really elaborate demonstration of how to arrive late to try to encourage our midfielders to arrive late in the box. I mean, Gerard tried asking them to do it. You know, any chance you can get into the box and show a bit of quality, and that didn't work. So a man as diligent as Emery will have. Will have known that, so he's he's trying something different. You know, teach by doing, not by saying. And the way he arrived, you're right. How he strutted onto that training pitch, clipboard in hand. That doesn't get John McGinn arriving late and smashing balls into the top corner. I don't know what will, Connor. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's actually just so deep in planning our future, developing, developing the strategy for how we're going to conquer Europe. Second here, that's something as mundane as the time of day of whatever day of the week it is paled on the significance maybe he got lost in the spaghetti junction he was really fucking lost if he was coming from Birmingham airport maybe there was a delay in processing his visa application I don't know Conan like maybe Whitehall is full of big six fans terrified of our managerial appointment I don't know but it's great to have him here <laughs> it was definitely one of those things yeah and I do like <laughs> I really have this image that I can believe it that he came out on Wednesday and straight away Jacob, John, whoever else over here, Philip, you might as well come over to you while you're here. <laughs> you're doing fuck all else. <laughs> and it's a big demonstration. Do you, do you see what's happened the last day? <laughs> blank looks back. I've arrived late. You get it? I've arrived late, ready for action. I've arrived late with energy bursting on here. Anybody? No? Anybody? <laughs> okay. okay, we'll just play Emmy Wendy again. Um, yeah, so... There's been a call. He's really gotten to work very quickly. There's been an Aston Villa call. Obviously, a lot of Stephen Gerrard's backroom team already followed him out the door. Now, Neil Cutler is gone. The goalkeeping coach, Emmy Martin, is very sad about that. Arne Danks is gone as well, although he might stay around the club. Or I saw a story that he's considering a new role, but then he was also waiting to see what the new role was. <laughs> mm. um, and the only person, of course, the only person who has arrived is Austin McPhee. <laughs> I mean, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world that he didn't exist. I mean, maybe the greatest trick Austin McPhee ever pulled was just phasing into the background that bought him more heath. Although, <laughs> it maybe is just become this character now as well that we love to just bash because realistically, the last time we scored a goal or the last game we scored a goal, we did score from a set piece that Austin McPhee helped craft. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. But yeah, the other way to look at it is why wouldn't you keep McPhee around? I mean, this is the man who introduced long throw-ins to a club with nobody who could throw the ball. <laughs> free kick dummies that go on until there's nobody left to take the free kick. Set, set piece defending that typically involves clearing the space around our six-yard box for the fucking opposition's <laughs> biggest aerial threat. <laughs> if I'm being kind, I suggest we're probably going for some sort of shock and confusion there as the best form of defence. This this is the man who brought us the roll up, roll up, who wants to take a set piece approach to fucking attacking set plays as well. <laughs> 60 yard launches to the corner of the box, back heel kickoffs for Bailey to run into oh, and here. lose the ball against the first of 11 men. Oh, that, that was a good one. 
<laughs> we can all agree on that, Liam. Let's not go too far here. Yeah, make this point. Like, don't be, don't be veering into hyperbole. Go on. <laughs> the fucking this is the man who brought Scotland whipping the ball in from corners as fast as they could fucking get a place in the quadrant, <laughs> irrespective of how many people are in the fucking box. I mean, Douglas Louise has scored from two corners. He knows how to do that now, and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So it's probably time for McPhee to move on as well. But there are some absolute gents who've just been let go, and that's not nice. Hopefully, they've been taken care of as well. But it was. It was definitely time for a reset, a fucking refresh. Things have gone stale and probably a bit sour, so let's start again from scratch. And when you've gone for an elite manager, let him make the decisions about who he wants at the club. And that's not to cast aspersions on the people who have left. I mean, if we're going to go to that level, to Unai Emery, then you let him make the footballing calls, all of them. Oh, yeah, I agree. And that's it. You know, Neil Cutler's obviously done a great job with with Villa and with Emmy Martinez as well. Um everybody seems to like him Emmy Martinez seems to love him look at Emmy Martinez's career trajectory since um, he's been working with him the thing I would say you mentioned reset there I think Emmy Martinez hasn't been at the same standards that you would expect just totally consistently like we were talking about him being one of the best goalkeepers around and I don't think he's been there anyway in the last few months at least for Aston Villa certainly and no um this isn't saying anything about Cutler, but sometimes maybe a new coach can help just uh, rejuvenate him, give him some new ideas, give him a kick up the arse. And I was actually thinking about us uh, discussing Emmy Martin as his new propensity to parry the ball when he never did it before. Like he used to always just catch everything. It was it just sapped the energy of the other team. He took a shot and it never came back out. He just caught it no matter what type of shot it was. But on the Fozcast, so I haven't spoken about that. <laughs> In a way, but on the Fozcast, Emmy Martinez was talking about, and at the time I thought, oh, this is great. What a diligent man, really trying to sort of cover off every inch. He was talking about conceding a lot of goals from deflections, and that was annoying him because he had control over everything else. And then this was an element of randomness then where the ball could break. So he started introducing with Cutler deflection nets in front of him so he could react to the ball then, like hitting randomly off anything and he would have to sort of adjust his body and adjust his reflexes and and keep out a, a shot like that i wonder did he go too far down that path and just start only practicing deflections and not actually just practicing <laughs> what, what he could do with stopping shots like whatever happened to hold your hands up if that happens like that's just bad luck and we'll try and we'll try and save a few of them but like nobody's going to blame me for it they will blame me for giving away chances for stuff that you shouldn't give away chances for yeah, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's focused on his weakness and forgot about his strengths. And you're right, of course, of course, Martinez is sad. He's been drifting all season. And I'm sure Cutler did wonders for his game, but if anyone if anyone needed a reset, it was Emmy Martinez. Like, he hasn't been anywhere near as domineering as he can be, or has been in the previous 18 months. He hasn't been anywhere near as prolific with his catching, like you said. And also... I think this will probably be a big element of it. His distribution definitely needs work. I mean, he's got the basic skills and he, he certainly has the confidence as well. And that'll probably get him to where he needs to go. But I'm sure that's a, that's in Emery's thinking as well. Speaking of needing a reset, uh, Harry Kane needs to have a think if he wants to start dancing in the change rooms in front of a camera. <laughs> Going forward, Harry Kane's a brilliant footballer. Let's qualify that right now. Harry Kane is not a good dancer. Doesn't pull it off. <laughs> 
immediately looks way less cool. Like Harry Kane's cool when he's scoring goals and walking. Oh my God, I was going to say walking in a tracksuit and looking well in it. <laughs> that was genuinely an accident. But I always think of him strutting around the golf course with, with Gary Neville. I mean, you see him with a civilian out of context in a different scenario. It's like, oh yeah, like you know, I can believe this boy is actually a superstar. Um, when I see him dancing and flip-flops in the changing room for Spurs after they've gotten out of jail against Marseille, not for me. Not for me. This isn't the guy who's going to lift the World Cup in the winter the way this is going. If, if anybody sees this, and a lot of people have seen it by now, it's not going to end well for Harry Kane. Just leave the dancing to Tam Abraham, Mason Mount, these boys who can pull it off. Yourself, just score some goals and leave it at that. It's, it is, though, probably the the longest piece of extant footage of Harry Kane staying upright, though. So, I mean, <laughs> as, as well as learning he's an absolute fool, I say learning, like as well as confirming, yet again confirming he's an absolute fool. We know we know he can stay upright on two feet for at least five seconds. You can hear fucking David Attenborough now, previously thought to move primarily on its back, holding his ankle. <laughs> Here, we have never before seen footage of Harry in the wild, erect, moving awkwardly from side to side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay Spurs got a jail by the way I watched that game um, Kolasinic missed an absolute sitter from about five yards out header free header headed it down Hugo Lloris to beat and he hits it wide and like that was the 88th minute for Marseille to win the game uh, at the stage Marseille were in the Europa League they were sort of happy enough for that they could have gone straight through to the Champions League knockouts if they had to put that away and Spurs went up and scored in the last kick of the game, and Marseille went out, out of everything, out of the Europa League, out of the Champions League, and Spurs went through top of the group, I think. I don't know why I turned this into a news round podcast, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Work to do with TVP Thursday. Uh, we'll go to the categories after this. really not that difficult to see how Hassenhuddle loses 9-0 once a season. Anything in the whole game? He just said, here's what I've been doing for the last three and a half years of my limited players. What have you got? <laughs> well, better players. Is this a fucking trick question? My heart wants to sing every song it hears. And this man is called the Alpine Clock whenever he was joining Southampton. I mean, he's as far away from Jurgen Klopp as the sound of music is from heavy metal. The hills are alive with the sound of people talking absolute shit. All right, let's start with the Conan Doherty. I'm getting Delph at the back of my shirt. Worst Twitter shout of the week. <laughs> Newcastle fans have found the podcast, Liam. <laughs> they found Sunday's podcast and the reviews are mixed. So we, got, <laughs> we got a nice one from King of Northumbria. Uh, he said, ignoring the fact he kept calling us Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Sounds like enough. a lot of people don't ignore that, Conan. <laughs> And they even had a few digs at our fans. I've got to be honest, I laughed a canny bit listening to this podcast. Definitely worth a listen if you don't take it too seriously. I appreciate that. But then, but then, 
the rest of them came and they just kept coming, unfortunately. <laughs> Saltiest podcast ever. Uneducated. Enjoy the championship. Such a scum football club fan base. I'm really sorry. On behalf of the Villa podcast and the rest of the Villa fans that we've been tarnishing your good name out there. But it just shows you you really can't please everybody. Anyway, back to the category. The Conan Doherty, I'm getting Delph at the back of my shirt. Worst Twitter shout of the week. The first nomination. This is from a lot of different people. And the quote is, Rangers had a better Champions League campaign than Celtic. <laughs> I mean, I think the idea here was that Rangers were still alive going into the last game. And Celtic weren't. Celtic were out of the Europa League and the Champions League going into the last game. Celtic did get two results and they were really close with a lot of their other games. <coughs> Celtic had a good fight and they had a bit of, you know, a bit of something they cheer for and get interested in. They threw away a lead a few times, which isn't good, but they were in the games. Rangers got the worst record of all time. They beat Dynamo Zagreb. They scored two. They conceded 22. A goal difference of minus 20. As full of carry-on put it on Twitter, he said if Rangers had conceded every game, like actually forfeited every game, they'd be two <laughs> goals better off than they actually were in the end of playing all six games. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair to Rangers, could they have ended up with a worse group? Maybe maybe Bayern, Inter, and Barca. Oh, sorry. Actually, hang on. I just realised that they ended up doing worse than Victoria Poulsen, who did have that group. Maybe my rush to defend them was all born from the fact that I I feel guilty about not listening to them when, when they told me I was a scummy tag wanker and that Jared was a fraud. <laughs> the next nomination. Let me read out the tweet first. It says... Here we go, exclamation mark. Looking forward to the Premier League kickoff. Hope you Arsenal fans feel as excited as we do. Come on, you gunners. You and I, Emery, is on Twitter. <laughs> and yeah, you better believe I was going back years to see if he tweeted anything on toward. And this is the problem though, if you and I, Emery, do you really think, do you really think if things go badly that I'm going to resist tweeting them from my account from the villa podcast account <laughs> he's right there he's right there ready to be added well now that you've said it out loud you might have a little pause for thought the next time whenever you're going to do it. you can't possibly have said that out loud now then write the tweet out and then press send <laughs> and think it's a good idea at each of those stages and decide to continue to proceed now that you've said it out loud now that you've had a little giggle there surely you now know how bad an idea that would be how stupid it would be how <laughs> counterproductive it would be maybe let's just call him a confronter on the podcast after everything play Sanson you absolute clown <laughs> I, that's we would know your account was hacked if that's the type of tweet you're saying <laughs> one to keep an eye on anyway because although I'll try to resist I can imagine not many people will have the same restraint uh, the Rangers fans definitely win this one though for worst Twitter shirt of the week the cheekiest spin by my pals in the media of the week first nomination has to go to the Athletic for one of the weirdest headlines of all time why is Aston Villa versus Manchester United not on TV in the UK asked no one ever 
I mean, <laughs> have these boys have these boys never watched an Aston Villa match? Why would that be a question? Why would that be <laughs> like Villa are on TV far too much? Which disgust is far too well. often. <laughs> Eleven paragraphs in, three subsections later, we get the actual explanation. It says the simple explanation is that the match was not chosen to be shown by broadcasters. <laughs> And yeah, and we can all understand why, because this comes up every televised game. Why would any broadcaster put on an Aston Villa game? Like we we always let them down. If you were if you were rear-ended and smashed your nose against the steering wheel, you're wearing your fucking seatbelt next time you get into the car. And Aston Aston Villa have been car crash TV every time they've been on the fucking air. It's not under it's not hard to understand why Sky might be a little bit more tentative when they pull out of their fucking driveway. It's a bit strange that BT haven't gone for it, seeing as they employed Jake Humphreys. You know they love a gamble and car crash TV. They put a fucking they put a fucking brick under their brake pedal, to be honest. But yeah, eleven fucking paragraphs later, I suppose I suppose we have to fill all those data centers with something. I mean, that energy isn't going to use itself up, is it? We can't just let all that cooling water leak into the ground. We have to find other ways to waste it. <laughs> the the second nomination goes out to. Basically, the entire English media for this quote or this line that I keep seeing everywhere ahead of the World Cup. England's 26-man squad. Everyone's, everyone's peddling this England's 26-man squad. We talk about it. Well, it's not 26 places available for the World Cup. Yeah, it, is, it is a 26-man squad, isn't it? No, it's not. It's a 25-man squad plus Connor Cody. <laughs> <laughs> like that's an automatic Connor Cody has his place on the bench on the plane in the squad in the hotel room Connor Cody is taking up that spot it's up to 25 people now to fight for these places and we can go in through the, the automatic choice <laughs> like Harry Kane and stuff but Connor, Connor Cody is there so it's not a 26 man squad that people are, are trying to get in it's 25 man uh, yeah I don't think we as Aston Villa fans who made their made their decision of their captain this year based on the fact that he dressed up as a five foot turkey can have too much <laughs> too much slagging of the England decision to keep Connor Cody around because by all accounts he's a bit of crack as well Connor at least he won't yeah. be fucking playing for them yeah yeah I, I don't like slagging Connor Cody he does seem very sound I can see why people like him but um, <laughs> just he's taking up major championship places for one of the best teams in all these championships uh, the winner is definitely the Athletic. The why is Aston Villa v Manchester United not on TV? I mean, I'll give you a couple of guesses, lads. <laughs> the actually, do you know what you're you're talking about, John McGinn? There, the I think at Arsenal, Unai Emery did a a private ballot, didn't he, with the players to pick the captain? And he so he got slagged for having Granit Xhaka as his captain, but it was the players who chose him. It was a, a secret vote, and they all pick Xhaka and. Maybe some people couldn't understand it, but then these people didn't have the benefit of watching Arsenal all or nothing, like we all got to watch then a few <laughs> years later. And Jacket does seem like a, a decent lad. Head case gets sent off every so often. Every like very often. Uh, <laughs> and he does seem like a bit of a leader. And he's playing well this year as well. But you know, Emery, that's age well, but it would be interesting to see if he does the same thing now at Villa. I mean, that's surely the best way to set the players pick. Well, I don't know about that. If my manager didn't have the balls to decide who he wanted to be the captain, maybe I would fucking throw down an absolute head case he's likely to get sent off every game as well just to rub it in the manager's face. There you go. That's what you get when you don't make a fucking decision yourself. Yeah, that's fair enough. 
<laughs> the Sam Allardyce be a tactics him award. Oh, there's two nominations here, but I can't see past the idea of Phil Neville potentially managing Lionel Messi at last. <laughs> this, is, this is going to happen. This is Gallagher and Peace. Inter-Miami links Lionel Messi is set to move to the MLS, where I couldn't believe it, but Phil Neville is still in charge out there. It's David Beckham's club, obviously, but it was such a car crash that I just assumed that he must have been let go long ago and nobody would care anymore. But no, Lionel Messi is coming into Miami by all accounts, and Phil Neville is still there, ready to manage Lionel Messi. Yeah, if you look, if you look at if you look at Neville's career to date, I think I think the first job he had was assistant to David Moyes at Man United, where where he would have learned how to forget everything that made you success and become this weird, servile, obsequious shell of a manager, looking to be put out of your misery from day one. <laughs> Then after that, he went to Valencia under Nuno Espirito Santo, where he would have had to learn how to play nauseatingly boring football. And then his brawler came in, where he would have had to learn how to speak nauseating nonsense, but with enough conviction that people still think you're as interesting to have around as when you came out of Alex Ferguson's dressing room. <laughs> and then on the back of all that success, he was given the he was given the England women's job, where he where he learned how to wear a waistcoat and a apparent prerequisite for the national team job. And this is not fashion talk, so don't get too excited. <laughs> oh. And then and then and then after that his his older brother's best mate hired him. So if Messi mm. is about to is about to kick up a fuss and give it the big and it's not like Phil Neville can't point to a CV and say, You'd want to get on board with this, pal. <laughs> That is mad, isn't it? Like I, I didn't even think about his career like that. I just always thought I, I forgot about his two jobs before the England job. I thought eh, he didn't do much there, really. He got to the semi final, got hammered by USA. Well, didn't get hammered, but got completely outplayed, and then lost a third place playoff to Sweden as well. And then, and then the new manager comes in and takes him to the Euro Championships. Looks like a way better team. I mean, Phil Neville, that whole tournament. This is what I remember him for: is, is talking about winning the tournament from the very outset and I was like oh Jesus mate like just you know just win a couple of games like get through it you know be more like Southgate never thought I would say it but, um, <laughs> but you know, one of these managers he was too aware like like the worst version of Brendan Rodgers imagine Brendan Rodgers without the coaching ability just uh, talking about like looking in the players eyes and asking them are they ready to be winners and uh, you know they're inspiring a nation and i was like oh play it down like just, just win the game like do what do, do what they did a few years later at the euros and actually inspired the nation then by playing good football and, and winning the tournament on home soil but yeah so when he went to enter miami then i just thought like this is this is the end for him now i saw his first few months were an absolute disaster but now the upside is he gets to manage Lionel messi and he'll always have that so his, his punditry career will definitely go from strength to strength faster <laughs> Phil you've managed Lionel imagine somebody asking that question <laughs> bit of context here around what Lionel Messi has achieved you tell, tell us how good he is Phil <laughs> um, the second nomination for the Sam Allardyce we are tactics them award what does Antonio Conte think he's getting out of Spurs' shape or, or system or style or whatever it is it's a 5-3-2 the minute he seems to be opting for sometimes he's going 5-2-3 but he very quickly reverts to bringing on a midfielder for one of the front three. Don't blame him. My Lucas Son's not up to much at the minute, but like they're, they're so boring to watch at the minute. They're so conservative, and they're not even good defensively. This is the thing. It's not like they're... I, I, I guess that the thinking is, uh, let's just keep it tight, and we'll build in the long term. You know, 
we'll get some results here and like, we've got enough players to score goals. They're not good defensively. They're really not. I think they would be better actually just being a bit more gung-ho and attacking teams. Well, we know what he's getting from them, seeing as you gave us a news rundown at the top of the show there. We know he's getting them into the <laughs> Champions League last 16. <laughs> Look, Antonio Conte is one of the most successful managers in the game and continues to have success as well. But if you gave me that Spurs squad, my approach would be we have Kane, Son, Richarlison, Kuvaleski, even if we want it. They'll probably, it wouldn't be, it would be give them the ball as much as possible so we can get we can get as much as possible out of them. It wouldn't be, they'll probably do something. So let's work like dogs and hopefully they'll do something after that if we win the ball back somewhere. And like I said with Gerrard, and I'm not comparing Antonio Conte and Steven Gerrard, that'd be like comparing <laughs> fucking Plankstead to the cheeky girls. Like if we, <laughs> if you are going to play that football with that squad, that Spurs team, then you have to be challenging for the title. Like you need to be doing what Diego Simeone did for those five or six years or you need to play some shit music over the PA system and wear a tiny pair of gold knickers so that middle-aged men can continue to turn up pretending they're bringing their children to it. <laughs> it is, it, it is a, an interesting one because I, I think he was getting criticised way earlier than you normally would and I think it was because it was just so dull and yeah, you're right. If If they were getting more consistent results and like it was it was obvious that like this is this is effective in some way then i think people would just sit back and enjoy winning but interestingly they had one of their best starts to the season in a long time now that's since like disappeared and maybe people could see that coming which is the interesting thing people turned a lot more quickly nobody's turning on conte out but they're definitely just sick of what they're seeing and it does seem a bit pointless like yeah, like there's probably there's probably some from the fact they're in the last sixteen in the Champions League. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but when you but when you said Man City were finished last week, we we talked about this. We talked about whenever you have players of this quality, it should be really easy to win many as many games as possible, so long as you can convince them to do it, to buy into it. But they're not getting good enough results for the players that they have to be playing this type of football. Absolutely nowhere near it. I've never felt a shudder like it than when somebody said to me, when you said Man City were fun. <laughs> Is that going to keep coming up now? <laughs> anyway, let's go to questions we can't answer, but probably will. Will, and surely he will, Miguel Amaron revert to the norm now? <laughs> or is this just a new normal? You know, like this can't keep going, can it? It is freakish. What this is the outlier, this bit of form, this patch that he's having. It is a patch, right? Basically, should I put him in my fantasy team or not, or is it too late? <laughs> I, I I think it is a bit too late because it would be very easy to jump on. It's cheap. Everybody's jumping on now, so you don't want to miss out either. But he's got he's had nine goals in three and a half seasons at Newcastle in the Premier League. That's like a hundred and ten appearances, nine goals. He's had six in his last six games. Like that's that's not going to keep going. That's that's not normal. Surely it's going to readdress now. You need to change some of the categories in this podcast because you're you're trying to slip a lot of things under the fence here. Essentially, this podcast has become a review of the Fozcast mixed in, <laughs> mixed in with a with a bit of fashion talk and then a bit of fucking agony and hell for your fantasy football team. <laughs> 
I, I, I don't like uh, this is the thing right I don't want to miss out on him now and he's so cheap so at that value it probably yeah yeah, yeah you've covered it you've covered it, you've covered it. But I, I, not... uh, go on <laughs> and this this can be genuine Almer on talk if you want he 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 has no assists Is no assists this season I don't like that he's not he's not a striker they only really have him and Wilson to to I know Bruno's doing a lot of stuff for them in there as well he's, he's, he's a good player but they're there to provide the magic of Steven Gerrard would want like he's probably looked at those two and thought why can't my players just fucking do that but he's not he's not chipping him with assists he's banging away a few goals which obviously count goals still count <laughs> but I would prefer he got 7 goals this season out of 13 games in the league I would prefer that to be 4 4 goals even 2 assists 4 goals 2 assists 4 goals 3 assists that would just would just imply that he's a bit more involved that he, for me to put him in my fantasy team I think it's a really hard one to call. Not not the fantasy football. I literally couldn't give a shit about that unless you've done something like picked Ross Barkley or taken the captaincy off Haaland. But but he's twenty eight or twenty nine this season, and the and the history of the Premier League is replete with footballers who were not quite one season wonders, but just shone really brightly for a year or two at this age, their peak, if you will. And prior to that, the most remarkable thing about their careers was how unremarkable it was. Or, in Almiron's case, having a trophy winger call you out. But <laughs> the other the other way you could look at this is, you know, Almiron has been managed by Steve Bruce for the previous five years, and now he's got a football manager. Maybe this is actually what Almiron's like. Maybe this is him reverting to the norm and not just being fucking suffocated by Steve Bruce. Wow. So was that you saying get him in? <laughs> uh, anyway, we've got some new beginnings to look forward to. Aston Villa are at home to Manchester United. That's never a good way to tee up Aston Villa at home to Manchester United, is it? It's never, it's never new beginnings. It's always very much the norm. But maybe maybe you and I, Emery, will help us have our own Almiron spurt of our own at Villa Park against Manchester United. Who knows? Look, it's a... It's a really good place to start for him because, well, he's only starting on Wednesday. Now, as we know, we've lost a day. <laughs> and nobody, it's not that nobody expects anything, but, you know, we never get a result, really, against Manchester United at home. So, imagine. Oh, God, imagine. And I don't think we've had a result, like a proper result, since September last year. Would I be right in thinking that since we beat United at Old Trafford? I, like, I don't remember. Gerard didn't have any big results, did he? Like, he had a... No, we didn't beat anybody good on the room. We had a maybe we got a draw. We got a draw against United. Came from behind in Philip Coutinho's first game. That was that was good fun that night. But no big wins, not since September. And I think that started Dean Smith's run of bad form, like five games in, in a row of losing. Then after that, so yeah, it's been a long time since we've had a good day. This is me just really playing. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to tweet. Emery, myself, and just ask. <laughs> so I'll go do that, and we'll see you at the weekend. <laughs>